Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, guys. Welcome back. Another episode, EYL. Yeah, yeah, virtually. Virtual edition. So today's a special episode because, um, you know, the good thing with having a business podcast, it allows you to cover almost everything. Yeah. Everything is a business everything on a certain level. Yeah, revolves it around money. It comes down to money and finances. Like Wu-Tang said, cash rules everything. Everything. Family. That's a fact. So... You know, we want to do this this episode for a while as far as cover the, the prison system and cover the, the state of, you know, criminal justice reform and mass incarceration yeah. from a financial standpoint. Because it's, it's a business. Nah, it's a, a lot of people don't a, realize it's that. It's a billion dollar business. Billion dollars, yeah. Um, and, you know, we wanted to just make sure that, you know, we, A, had enough information and then mm-hmm. we wanted to bring somebody on with a, with a real life experience. Authentic experience. So it was like just perfect because not only does our guest have a real life experience, but he's on the front lines as far as being a social activist mm-hmm. um, for years. And not only that, one of the best MCs yeah. ever, <laughs> bar for bar. I mean, I remember from the Violator days, man. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I had the poster on my wall, man, that yeah. Violator album. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you're not familiar, My Song. My Song is our guest today. Um, and yeah, My Song is, is dope from a musical standpoint. Huge following on social media, yeah. then on Flex, arguably one of the best flex freestyles ever i think you got like five of the top 10 joints yeah <laughs> that's a fact so um so yeah it's crazy wallow just posted it yesterday yeah shout out to wallow's our brother um so yeah one of the best uh, flex funk flex freestyles ever but bigger than that just a, like i said a social activist building the front lines really doing his thing mm-hmm. and um making a difference in the community so first and foremost before we get started thank you thank you for joining us appreciate it thank you for having me brothers thank you yeah, I, I still remember the first line. The first time I ever heard you. Lefty, My song, Lefty. lefty. <laughs> <laughs> still, that's still one of the hardest intros to a rap song My I've ever song, heard. Lefty, gun up in the rifle. That was, that was different. That was different. So, yeah, so, Mike, I want to um, tell the people the backstory. They, they might not know. They might have just seen your freestyles or they might have seen, seen you, you know, doing a social activist thing, but they might not have known your story of, you know, where you got to this point. And for us... We grew up in the 90s, grew up in the early 2000s, and we huge fans of music. So when me and Troy, like when we first started hearing about your name, it was on the underground circuit. Mm-hmm. And then that um, that Rough Riders, Rough Riders was so hot, it's kind of hard for me to explain to people that's younger, like <laughs> Rough Riders was it. They had the, oh it, was, it was bigger than music, though, because they had the, the whole motorcycle movement. The motorcycle thing was crazy. And they had the merch, they had the t-shirts. And it yeah. was like, they was huge. Like, it's kind of hard for me to make a comparison to any there's other There's not kid. one right now. Nah, they nah. was like 300, 500 deep with yeah. motorcycles, like, all over the country. Shut down the Major Deegan, for real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so when they put out their compilation, you had that legendary verse, and then your, your name was just buzzing all over, and I um, believe you signed with Violator. But then, you know, you um, was incarcerated for seven years, came out. So can you talk about that as far as your journey from being a musician to to being incarcerated and then coming home and I'm not sure if you if you first started your um activism uh when you first came home or if it took a while for that or like was that actually started while you were incarcerated and you know it's crazy funny story because I got like a photographic memory I memorized everything I don't even know if you remember this let me see I think like the first week you was home because it was like a big thing when you came home too and the first week you was came home we saw him at two fish, one fish. Oh and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we, we was out. We was out. Ninety eighth in Amsterdam. Yeah, we was out <laughs> with, some, with, with some of our, our our friends, and he was like, "Yo, that's my song right there." He just came home. Like he literally just came home. Um, that's crazy. I just remembered that. Good randomly. place to go to. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, can you talk about that as far as your, your journey from music to being incarcerated, and then you know doing what you're doing now? Yeah. So it's a long, it's gonna be a long story. So just sit back for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we ready. Ready. But um yeah um yeah I, I I got signed I mean I I I started in the industry in about '98. Um, my then manager Tone was um he was he was had managed Mace, and um I had a group 
back in the days we called ourselves the cartel and it was three it was three of us it was me my friend steve and my friend cam and we kind of sound like the locks though you know we had that whole locks feel because that was that was the thing at that time. <laughs> not a bad thing to be <laughs> you know, yeah the Bronx, so we had that feel and we sounded different but we sound it was similar because it was street and it was three of us so um you know, um, we was trying to get a deal, and a lot of people was like that. We was dope. We actually did. We had an um, interview. With, that's what Super Mario was with um, Bad Boy. We brought he brought us to his office, and, was, and he was like, "Y'all sound a lot like the Locks. Y'all need to try to try to look more like De La Soul or something." Like, <laughs> yeah, like five heads. That's two different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, looking for more of, you know, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Anyway. So then we, we met up with my, my manager. He had met them first in a barbershop in the Bronx. And um, he was from Queens. And he happened to be there with one of his friends that owned the barbershop. And I heard my, my boys rhyming. And then he was interested in them because he was, I guess he had just finished managing mates. He was still doing some things in and out of the industry, but he had just, he was managing mates for a little while and was still looking, you know, to move around the industry. He had a lot of connections. So he wanted to meet with them. He's like, yo, he's like, yo, you and they was like, yo, if you think we dope, you gotta hear our other part. And by that time, I had kind of got a little jaded with the industry. We had like three different meetings, and you know, Super Mario had told us to sound like De La Soul, and it was just bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm in the street, I ain't even worried about that. So they like, yo, we can go and meet with this dude. I'm, I'm not doing that. You know what I'm saying? For what? I'm tired to keep hearing the same old shit. So, so I let him talk me into it. Dude pulls up. That's in 98, he pulls up in front of my building with a, a navigator, black, brand new navigator. So nobody had no no navigator in 98. So nah. he got to be somebody. He he know, he doing something. So he pulls up in front of my building, get in the car. He like, I'm just quiet because I'm always the one that never pays, you know, never believes nothing. I'm always skeptical of everybody. So I'm sitting in the back. They talking to him. He quiet. He looking at me like, what's, it, what's your name? I'm like, my name is my son. And then he's like, you all right? I'm, I'm good. I'm just, I don't know you. Like, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm 18 years old. New York State of mind. Yeah, you know, I'm focused. Me and my man is here. We, I feel all right, but I still just don't know. You don't know if this is some game, you wasting our time, whatever. So he throws on beats and they spit. So then he like, so do you rhyme? I'm like, yeah, I rhyme. He's like, so why? They, I'm like, because, you know, I'm not in the mood right now. So he laughs. He's laughing like, all right, I get it. So then he happens to play a beat that I fuck with. So I spit. So he just looked at me. I was like, all right. And we drove, we drove straight to, um, first part, we drove to, I think we drove, that's when Free, if you're back in the industry, that's when um, Free, Light Skin Brother, he had Afro with Light Eyes. He used to run Jermaine Dupree's organization. So he took me to Free's office in the city. We went straight in the building, boom, upstairs. We sitting in there. So he like, yo, rock. So we spitting. Nigga like, yo, he dope. He takes me to that's when um Uptown Baby came out and Tracy Waples was the man. They he was man. They was managing um Lord Tariq and Peter, Peter Guns. Guns so yeah. BX. Waples off. So I'm in there. Spit. They like. Oh, this take a fire. So by the end of the day, we had went to four different record labels. He just got us inside, like, and they was all like, nah, these dudes is dope. But we like him more. You know what I'm saying? So he was that's what his he's like, yo, we everybody listen, but most of the people liked you. So, you know, that's when I started believing him. I'm like, ah, he ain't really just no dude that's bullshit and that's coming, you know, trying to play no games. Then from there, I had a I went to um we had what happened was I had a big battle with Sean in front of and Justin's, front right? Of Justin's. Yeah, yeah. yeah, heard about that. Sean Paul. That was that was like the. But prior to that, I had went to Un's office. Who was that's when Entertainment. Yeah. You know. They had Cam. Cam, they had Cam, they had Charlie Baltimore, and who I think it was just Cam and Charlie. Yeah. So he, I walked in the Un office, and just start rhyming. Almost like, all right, we signing them. Don't, don't let nobody else hear him. I did a song that day in the studio. Digger, who was producing most of Cam tracks, was in the studio when we did a song that was so fire that it was probably like, it's still like one of my favorite songs. It never came out nothing. Mm. But we played this song. She was fire. So that I was supposed to get signed to them. 
So he's like, yo, don't let nobody else hear him. I was like, yo, don't let nobody else hear him. We're going to sign him. Now, that's what Sean had just got signed to Bad Boy. So, but nobody knew that I had this case. That I was, I had a case from 97. So I'm still fighting this case. So we supposed to do the deal for a couple of weeks. Unfinds out I had the case. I, I, you know, I told like, yo, I got this case. So now he backs out the deal like, oh, he got a case. I don't really want to do. I, I don't know. I don't know. So now we back on the on the, on the shipping block. Nobody else knows about the case but us, whatever. So we go to Justin's. Now we fast forward to Justin's, and Nori and Sean is outside just rhyming. Randomly. Randomly, they just in front of Justin. <laughs> That's to be on Tuesday nights with industry nights. So. Randomly, you'll pull up the Justins and niggas just outside rhyming. Yeah, '98. That 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 was that was the time. That was the Noe album. No, that's what. And and I remember when he when he first played um. Super Thug. Huh? Super Thug. No, no, not Super Thug. The shit we had Pun King. Oh, oh Band from, from TV. Band from TV. Band from TV. Pulled up there and played that song, and I, and I was like, yo, let me just get on this. <laughs> Please. Oh, my gosh. I listen to this track like, yo, how did this happen? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, so we outside there. They freestyling. My lawyer at the time, Matt Middleton, was listening to the, he listening to the rhyme. He's like, yo, he comes inside. We inside Justin's eating. He come like, yo. The outside ramen, shining them is out there. Now, I know Sean is the dude that just got the million dollar deal. You know, I got a, a hundred rhymes in the clip. I'm already mad. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I got a chip on my shoulder. I'm like, I'm, I'm better than this nigga. He's fake Biggie. You know all this <laughs> That was the whatever. thing. That, that was the thing at that time. I was like, how y'all yeah, gonna sign a dude who sound like Big? I just, yeah, I sign a nigga, whatever. So I'm like, all right, I go outside. So my man, my um, man's like, go ahead, go ahead. And then, and then Nori was like, yo, you want to spit? Because Nori had never heard me rhyme to this time. Like, he ain't never heard me. So I'm like, all right, I'll throw something in there. I rhyme. Nori looks at me like, oh, this is fire. This shine rhyme. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, let me get out of this. He backs up. I go again. Now that the crowd is clue is there, it's everybody's coming. It's, we got one of the biggest circles in the parking lot of Justice. That probably ever happened. So we going. It was to the point where I know he was like, enough, enough, enough. Man. You you gotta slow down, killer. You trying to kill this man. <laughs> so it went back, it got back to Puff that yo, he ate your artist of yo, he killed Sean in front of the thing. So I had this big bidding war. You know what I'm saying? We had a bidding war. Jermaine Dupree flew me out to his house. I sat down with pretty much every label from there. Chris Lighty was like, yo. What are we gonna do? But Chris is from the Bronx. Rest so, in peace. Know, rest in peace. Rest in peace. And um, I had this big bidding war and ended up going with Chris Lighty, man. And me and Sean became best friends after that, like, cause people was trying to peg us against each other, you know. And it's just, oh, he killed you. Puff, did, Puff was mad, like, yo, I want you rhyming outside no more. You're <laughs> messing up my money. You know what I'm saying? So it was, it was, a, it was an issue for a minute. We and him almost, had, we almost got into a fight over. We was in the Hamptons. His man's was mad. It really was one of his man's. It wasn't him. His man's like, fuck that nigga. He showing you fake love. Nah. So we almost got into a big beef. Whole teams. We all 20 oh, deep. Oh, man. Bronx, Bronx was Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we just happened to have somebody in the middle. I think it was Wolf. Wolf pretty much squashed that. God yep. bless the dead. Rest in peace, yeah. He got in the middle. Had us, sit, gave, had us do a sit down. And we became best friends after that. So I got signed. I signed with Chris Lighty. Uh, I was originally going to sign the Rough Riders, but I just I had an ego. You know what I'm saying? I was like, Yo, that's 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 DMX label. Like I don't want to do that over here. I want my own. Like I don't want to be under DMX. I love X, but I want to be my own. You know what I'm saying? I want they got he got the Rough Riders. I want to have the Problem Children because that was my organization and I was the Problem Child. And I had like five of my dudes. We I called them the Problem Children. So I'm like. We can have our own stuff. I don't want to sign underneath. And they was like, nah, you can do this. But I'm like, nah, everybody already know that the Rough Riders is symbolic with DMX and the locks. Like, yeah. I don't care what you say. DMX had already sold five million records. Like, there's no way that you come in there and you're going to be the main priority over X. Yeah. So, you know, Chris was like, you're going to be the priority over here. I'm telling you, we're going to do this. 
you know, we got Foxy, but you're the only guy over here, so it's not no like no competition. It, it was Cormega Methods, Foxy and Cormega. He's like, yeah, everybody like they got their own lane. You gonna do your own thing. We gonna push it. We gonna do this. So he sold me, and was scheduled to drop the album. And same case I had. I'm fighting, going back and forth with it. You know, we went to trial and ended up blowing trial. You know, it was my first, my first um, felony or whatever, but I ended up getting sentenced to seven to 14 years. Mm. So, you know, now that, sh- that was crazy. How, how just, old were you? I was 20 years old. 20, wow. So I was 20 years old, just about to, just got this record deal, just about to do all of this stuff. And I ended up blowing trial for seven to 14 years. So I'm sitting there like, this just can't be true. I was just at the Super Bowl. I was just in the Bahamas recording my album with Havoc and Prodigy. And, you know, we in the studio. I got, I was supposed to be doing Vibrant Thing remix the day after I got locked up. Like, it was just the weirdest turn of events that I've probably ever seen in my life. So, you know, just doing my bid, I just had to find some level of solace and, and understanding, like, you know, I got to find a purpose in this. Like, I can't sit here and let this destroy me. I can't, you know, I got to find focus. And I and I came up with this idea in my mind. And I was innocent of the crime that I blew trial for. Let's, let me say that. I was I was convicted of armed robbery of cab drivers that I never robbed in my life. And um, I got picked out of a lineup. One guy picked me off a street saying I look like somebody. And, um... So that that's that in itself was even worse. If it was something that you did, and yeah. you you ever sudden you did, you like this this is what it comes with. But when you sitting in jail, losing a million dollar record deal, and you sitting in prison for some shit you didn't do, you know, it's a lot. But you know, I just told myself every day that every day that I don't learn something, I don't grow as a man. The system wins. You know what I'm saying? I can't sit here and and be down. I can't like I'm going home eventually. I got at least seven years to do here, so I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do. So I, I worked out, I read, I exercised, I, I, I wrote rhymes, I had books and rhymes, you know, I studied, you know, and I started realizing that the prison was a, a business, like you said, it was an industrial system where we were the, the product. You know, mm-hmm. Black and minorities go in and out of prison, and they just keep bringing the same ones in here, and, and, they, and they selling us the same fairy tales you know, they they are they making you believe that it's some type of badge of honor to go to prison from our communities, and we going in and out, and the dudes is coming home telling us how cool it is and how gangster they is, cause they was locked up and they was in the yard, and Shorty was coming to visit me, and all of this bullshit that you find out when you in there, it's a bunch of dudes that just dying to get home. Some dudes you probably would never even talk to in the street. Now you surrounded by these dudes. Mm. So I realized that, and I'm like, yo, we've been lied to. For years, you know what I'm saying? Especially in our communities. So when I came home, my mind frame was different. I didn't immediately get into activism, but I was definitely way more conscious. You know what I'm saying? So my focus was different. My whole path was different. So when I when I did, seven years later, when I did make my parole board and got out, you know, I still pursued my music. But, you know, it took time because you after seven years, you don't... You out of touch. You don't know what's going on. It's not, you know, people, you don't got, you know, I'm trying to can figure you talk, it can, out. Can you talk about that? Like, yeah. how did, because I don't think people, the vast majority of the population has never been to jail, right? So it's kind of hard for people to understand with somebody that, especially for a long periods of time, like seven years. I remember, um, I think it was Mano, and he was saying when he first came out of jail, he he forgot how to cross the street. Like, it's yeah. like you become institutionalized and you, it, it's, exactly. so how hard is it to adapt back into society when you've been away for seven years? It is very hard because there's, it's, it's, it's different, there's so many different transitions that you have to go through. You have to go through your own, you have to, you have to adapt back into society. You have to get out of the society that you was in. You have to, you have to evolve your, your thinking because you you used to things being one way. You know what I'm saying? You used to think, first you used to do things being a way that they were in the street before you got back. Then you're used to the surroundings that you just left. So there's so many different elements that you have to unpack and unroll from. So first you're quiet because when you're in, in prison, you, you can't, you're not allowed, you're not very 
energetic because that that makes you a target. So the most the, the, the loudest person in the yard is the target, and usually the weakest person. So that's how they judge you. So you have to be very militant. You got to be very focused. You got to not say much. You listen more than you talk. You know, in society, you have to network. So the, the more quiet you are, that the, the less productive you are. So I'm moving around people, and I'm coming around, and people, oh, I heard you, yeah, boom, boom, and I'm just quiet. People are like, yo, what's up, man? You all right? Like, everything good with him? I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. He good, he good. And they're like, yo, you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. What do you mean? I'm saying, like, you look like, like people are scared to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, nah. What? Like, And I didn't understand what they were talking about, but I didn't make myself approachable because I was a lot more serious. And then, especially dealing in this industry, you know how fake this shit is. Mm-hmm. How everybody will shake your hand and tell you they love you and they're going to call you tomorrow and that's not going to happen. They're going to do this with you and it's not going to happen. So that don't happen in prison. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That don't really happen in the, in the streets. Just regular being in the streets when you deal with men. It don't really go like that. So when you start having those conversations and you seeing these industry dudes and they tell you how much they love you, yo, we're going to do this, and then they don't, when you come from prison, it's like, yo, why you ain't do that? Everybody is used to that outside. So when you approaching the dude after he said he's going to do something, he don't, he nervous now. Now they're like, yo, we don't want to be around this dude. He bugged out. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's why when you look, when May came home, he was doing a lot of stuff. He was, It was a lot about, because he wasn't used to being on that time where you play with me. You understand what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you can't say you're you going to do something to me. You, you can't say you're going to do something for me and don't do it. You can't. Give me a hug, look me in my eyes, say I got you, and then I call you, you don't answer your phone, or you see me and we have the same conversation three times and nothing happens. So that's a process. So I was getting enemies from not playing because I'm taking you literally. Like DJ, like, yo, I love you. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna play your record. I'm like, I'm coming to the DJ, you giving them record, they playing it for two seconds, turn it off. Like, and you like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why you didn't play the song? Like, what are you talking about? You like Nah, you got to do it now, nah, but you playing some song for some nigga that live down south that yeah. you never seen before in a New York club, and you breaking the song, you playing it four and five times, but you playing my second for th- my record for three seconds. So yeah. I was having this is issues. I'm turning off niggas' microphones. I'm taking <laughs> plug it. like you know what I'm saying. So this was a process for me. The acclimation, just realizing that you got to be calm, like you got to do things different the way, and you got to be a lot more diplomatic. That was a process for me. You know what I'm saying? And, and coming from prison, because you all you have in prison is your word. The way that you carry yourself, you carry yourself like a man, your word is everything. Yeah. So that's how I came home. And that's not how it is here. You know what I'm saying? People will tell you anything. And, and, and if you do not adapt to that reality, then you will find yourself outside of the bubble. So what you got to do is learn how to play the game. You don't expect anything from it. You realize... You you doing what you got to do. Whatever they do is a plus. You don't expect anything from it. So that that was a real process of adjustment for me. Let's let's talk about um, mass incarceration. So for people that are not familiar with some of the numbers we looked at, so there's there's private prisons. America, I think, is the only country that has private prisons. Yeah. Um, one out of five prisoners in America are in private prisons. It's a two billion dollar industry. Private Big prisons. time. Yeah. Um and. The whole thing is really crazy because it's like a bunch of Fortune 500 companies mm-hmm. have workers that are incarcerated from Victoria's Secrets, Whole Foods, Walmart. Whole Foods actually owned by Amazon, so that's really Amazon. Walmart, Microsoft, Starbucks, BP, uh, Nintendo, AT&T, Target, to name a few. Just, Just a, few. a few. Um, and there's a, there's a whole economic system that's based around jail from the cost of phone calls, mm-hmm. extremely high. Yep. Um, commissary is like way overpriced for food items. Um, even transportation to get there, yeah. Like these prisons are in the middle of nowhere most in most states, so it's like five-hour bus trips, and then they have transportation companies that provide bus trips to people's that. families yep. to come. It's all it's a whole system, and they, and they provide free labor too. Free labor, free labor, I'm, yeah, yeah. So, the free the free labor. I'm just really quick. The free labor thing was crazy, especially, and we'll get into the, the pandemic, but. Um, I work in a school, and um, I never forget uh, when it just started. Maybe like early March, uh, they brought the hand sanitizers into our school, and at the same time they brought it in, I remember sending Shaggy the article like, "Yo, they got the prisoners making the hand sanitizer." I'm like, "No, nah, I can't use that. This goes against everything I stand for. Like, you could have actually employed people to make these things, 
and gave them a job, but you're you, you going to let prisoners eight cents a, an hour? And the thing about it is it, those same prisoners that make that inside the prison can't go home and work in a factory where they do that. They won't even hire them. Right. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like they, it's prisoners in there doing eight, working for the phone or AT&T. They're answering AT&T calls, but can't come home and work at AT&T. Mm. They're doing construction and building. They're on core craft is the, the biggest thing inside of prison. They make all the clothing, all of the soap, all everything. But you can't come home and work if you for core craft if you got a felony. So it doesn't like they it's really it's really slavery. And so from being inside from like first hand experience, because I think they said the average prisoner across America gets paid like sixty eight cents an hour or something like that, or eighty six cents an hour. Um you don't have an option because I, I want to explain this for people because, like I said, the vast majority of people have they've never been incarcerated. So I think it's because a lot of times people don't have compassion. Mm-hmm. They're asking, they're, you know, it's very common, especially in our community. For some reason, we're very compassionate people, but we're very uncompassionate amongst ourselves. Exactly. And a lot of times it's like, well, don't do the crime. Don't do. Obviously, you shouldn't commit crime. That's obvious, right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean he's supposed to that, be there. That doesn't like, mean that it's like America has five percent of the world's population and twenty five percent of the prison population. We have yeah. more prisoners than That's India, crazy. India and China. They both have a billion people. We have three hundred million people. So there's obviously a financial system in play here, right? Right. So being on the inside, how was it? Because you don't you don't have an option to work. You have to work, right? That's right. You have. Um, you have programming, so with your program comes, you have to choose vocationals, which you have to like take some type of skill. Then they probably have programs that's mandatory programs based on your crime. They have drug programs you have to go to, or um, violence programs, alternative to violence programs you have to go to, and then you have a regular job that you have to do. And um, and, and like he said, the average prisoner. Doesn't I don't know about maybe maybe it went up to sixty cents an hour because I when I was there the job was like seven or eight cents an hour mm. at the end of the week we would make about fifty cents probably a dollar or two dollars at the end of the week we would probably have about two dollars three dollars if if you worked the whole week you know what I'm saying so and that was working the the regular seven hours seven eight hours a day shift and you would get about no more than three to four dollars a week. That was the commissary sheet. So, you know, when you when you in there, you don't have you like you said, you don't have a job, you don't have a choice whether to work, and you can't even survive. Those that amount of money is not even enough to buy toiletries. You know, mm. they they don't supply you. They supply you with, with um, soap, but they don't supply you with deodorant. You know, they don't supply you with certain with baby oil and things of that nature to lotion yourself. So. That's not even enough to buy toiletries. So most you buy with that, they give you these little $10, you know, the little $10 Roman new, 10 cent Roman soups that you can buy. And the average person who who's, who has no outside friends and family to bring them anything is probably buying about 20 of those soups and they living off that because the, common, the, the food that they feed you can't really fill you up. And most of it ain't even good. So... It's, it's it's definitely slave slave industry inside of prison. Yeah, and it's a big business. I, I think the first time it probably was on on Kanye's album, and maybe I was ignorant to it. But when he he said the line the CCA teamed up with the DEA, I had to stop. I'm like, yo, the CCA, and then actually doing some research, the the Correction Corporation of America, they're building these private prisons. And when you build a prison, you have to have prisoners, obviously. So they're making millions of dollars building these prisons and then finding inmates. But what they're doing in the same time is they have to incriminate people, right? So it's like, yo, the thing that used to not be illegal, now it is. And that, that's happened over time. We've seen that happen with, with Mexicans in, in, in the 1800s and, and the Chinese in, in the, during the gold rush. Like, we're going to criminalize what they do. And people are not aware of it, right? So when you're talking about this generation, I'm just like, yeah, they don't get it because they can't see the big picture. Um I didn't mean to cut you no, off. Go ahead, go ahead. America is built on capitalism. And capitalism only can survive if there's a, a lower class. There has to be a bottom. It don't really have to be a middle class, but the bottom has to be somewhere. So 
this is why that's why white supremacy is such a big thing when we talk about it for black people and people don't understand it. Like, oh, you could do anything. No, it's not meant for you to do everything. The reason why we in marginalized communities, why you have projects, the why the reason why they don't fix it up because we need crime to happen in these communities. Mm-hmm. We need crime. Like so when when after this pandemic, there's going to be a fl- a flush in crime because you know why? Because people are dealing with trauma, they're dealing with fear. People are going to be dealing with financial issues. Um, they, they cut all of the summer programs. The kids are not getting no summer youth. It's no basketball. Mm-mm. There's no sports. They they close the parks. So what else are you going to do if you're living in a project? You know, you're sitting around. You're hot. You're outside. You're not staying in the house. It's nothing but crime. You're, trying to, you're probably going to rob somebody because now you can't even enjoy the sports. The kids don't even go get to go enjoy the sports. You're frustrated. You didn't graduate. You missed your graduation. Yep. You was probably going to you one of the top basketball players. You're supposed to go to D1 school. You didn't even get to play your last year. You don't even know if you're going back to us. Like, there's so much things that's going to breed crime in our communities right now. Yeah. You know? So this this right here is a time, like, when you if you if you start studying stocks, the prison industry is what they invested in right now. Prison, um, pharmaceuticals, because they're going to try to force us into back. Like, all of these things or things that's going to happen. You know, the stimulus pack was to keep people silent because when the stimulus is over and then you go back, they said we got the highest, this is the highest unemployment ever. They got over 40 million people who've applied for unemployment who've lost their jobs. So that's going to, what that's going to look like in the next couple of months when they start to reopen society and people are moving, it's going to breed crime. There's going to be some people that have nothing. Right, some of them, some of those jobs that they used to have won't be there, right? And a lot of people, a lot of people get confused. It's like, oh, that can't happen here. But I'm like, yo, if somebody can't eat where they live. They come into your neighborhood. That's a fact. You know it's what I'm saying? Crime, crime, poverty is crime. That's the bottom line. Anywhere that you look, where people live in poverty, there's crime. You know, it's not black people. It's not Hispanic people. It's, it's the conditions that people. If you cannot change the conditions, you can't change the problems. So when people say, yo, they shouldn't commit committed the crimes with the conditions were set there for them to commit the crime. If you you know that some people have the, the ability to live with with meager, to, to live with nothing. Some people are okay with that. But when you look outside and you see other people having things as a young boy and you're being teased for not having things and you try to figure out how how to get it and the only vision of success you ever seen was a drug dealer. The only people you ever seen have money was a drug dealer and a stick up kid that pulled up. They had the girl you want, they had the car you want. They had the respect you want. It's, it's not as easy as you just don't commit the crime and you just keep going to, to school with barely enough lunch money and holes in your jeans. And you keep telling me, no, you can't buy the new video game I want. You can't, no, we can't get these new shoes and the cable keep getting cut off. And some days you come in, there's nothing in the refrigerator. It's easy to say you should, they shouldn't commit the crime when you don't understand those realities. Nope. You know what I'm saying? So you have to, you have to change those realities. Yeah. For you to change the mind state of the individual, nobody wants to commit crime. I never, I never want. I, I did everything possible not to commit a crime, but it was a time where I felt like I was, I was a man, and I was around people, and I didn't even feel comfortable because I didn't have a dollar, two dollars in my pocket. So that, 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 that starts to play on the psyche. It's a reality that we live with in marginalized communities, and you know, and and I think people who don't identify with that. And, so, and there are some people who are able to move through that without committing crime because it's just certain people that are able to, you know, overcome that. Some people come from strong families to where even though they don't have nothing, they have a strong unit. But you can't say that to a person who father OD'd when he's 11 years old and mother's on crack in the streets and you don't have the food stamps, you done sold the food stamps and you coming home and it's just you and your little sister in the house and you got to figure out how to eat. That's a different conversation. So when people say you just don't commit the crime and don't understand the realities that come with that, it's an insult. You know, it's 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 insult to somebody who who has a good heart, who considers himself a good person. If you look at most of our people who look at Jay Z, you look at Fifty. When they got the opportunities, they didn't have to commit crimes. You know, but they they got where they got because if it wasn't for those crimes they committed, you wouldn't even know them. They probably would have been in the streets somewhere. You understand what I'm saying? So. It's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, and we want to do better. We got to understand the circumstances in our community. Let, let me ask you this, because um, just to 
I'm interested to know this. You, you, you had mentioned the call centers like AT&T or one of those companies. How does that work? So, somebody's locked up. Like they're literally answering. They're like customer service. Yeah, customer service. That's what job. It's a job in prison. One of my friends, he literally he came home two days ago and he told me he was working for, for I think it was AT&T or Verizon. One of them. And he was paid over the call and said, hello, how are you? Who would you like to speak to? And he would direct the call. He, it was certain lines that he pressed and he would forward them. To, you know, that could give them certain help. But he was the first line of calls that they called. That's interesting because it's like, yeah, it's it's really, you know, it's like you don't have a choice to do it because if, if you don't do it, what happens? You you get punished, right? Right. It's an infraction, right? It's an infraction. You can lose your time. Yeah. They can, they can if you have parole or whatever, they can... But that's part of the cycle, right? Like that, and that's what keeps you there, right? So I commit this infraction. Now my time is longer. Now they make more money because I'm staying. You know what I'm saying? It's all part of the same circle. You know, and I'm one of these people where, you know, I, I hate conspiracy theory because I, I'm just a person that I like to deal with facts, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of this stuff is kind of, it's not a conspiracy, it's common sense. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, okay, if, I, if I'm the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, right? Now, the the easiest option is to outsource it to, like, India, which they do. But you still got to pay them something, even yeah. if it's, like, $2 an hour. It's like, and it's like, you know, it's a language difference, even though they speak English. But it's, you know, whereas somebody from America that speaks English that you can pay Eight. 10 cents an hour. Right. Literally nothing. 10 cents a day, right? You said? Not an hour, right? Oh, right. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 cents an hour. I mean, on the bottom, company's bottom line, why would it not? Why would I not do that? So being that that's a work population, you it's really no incentive not to have people in jail. It's if anything, there's an incentive to keep the jails full, right? Because you have a a free a two million free people, enterprise. yeah, two million people that's that's locked up, that's that's working for free, and this is why it's not makes common sense that we have 25% of the world's prison population and only 5% of the world's total population. Yeah, it's a big business. It's a business. When It all comes down to money at the end of the day. All comes down to money. And, and unfortunately, we came here as labor. That's what. That's how black people were brought to this country. So we maintain that, you know. And um, until we understand that reality and we stop, we stop punishing each other and start figuring out how to build with each other because everybody looks down on somebody else based on their circumstances. Oh, you don't got this. You you should have never did this. And not understanding people's circumstances. And so until we create a culture, because the problem with us as blacks in America, we don't have one culture. We're not a monolith. And and people say that as if it's a positive thing. And I think it's, 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 it's to our detriment because if you look at every other culture, when you look at the Asians, they have one culture. You know, they, they, they immediately, when something happens, they, they move together because it represents their culture. When you look at the Jews, they have one culture. So when it happens, they all move together. And, one, and, and it, give, it, it gives them a sense of power. Even when you look at the Hispanic community, Dominicans and Puerto Ricans, they have a culture. They, they form together. We the only people that might hang with the Puerto Ricans. We might be over here. We might be everywhere else. But I don't got to do it just because you're black. We don't feel no obligation just because you're black to support you. It just it's just not how most people feel. They feel like I did it myself. You need to figure out if a Chinese person come to jail. Every Chinese person, Asian person in there is figuring out, are you good? What you need to speak their language, they're gonna bring them, they're gonna feed them, they're gonna make sure he's good. Hispanic person come, all of the Hispanic people gonna pull them, they're gonna feed them, you good. Black person come, they're gonna look at you like you got two hats. Feed you to the wolves. Unless you, unless you, they knew you from somewhere, but ain't no just black people gonna say, "Oh, this is a black dude. I'm gonna make sure he's good." It just don't work like that. So, so it, it shows the divide. We just don't move. Being on the inside, did people like, did some of your comrades while you was locked up start to realize the, the financial play behind it? Like, were they starting to see like this? Like, I'm out in the streets doing all of this, but this is actually a bigger play here, and now I'm working for free for. Yeah. Lord and Taylor, all of these companies, like, did they did they ever realize that inside? Did you ever have those kind of conversations with people inside? It's the most the most brilliant people I ever met was in prison. I met geniuses, men, and they never come home. Men who got convicted for stealing a dollar out of a white woman's purse, supposedly at armed robbery, doing thirty or forty years, you know, at seventeen, and been getting hit at the board 
three and four times. Like this is this is the reality that we come from. You know, the, the crimes that, that people that our brothers are spending. If you if you heard the the reality of what these crimes I went to jail. I did seven to fourteen years, no record. I was in going to John Jay College, nothing. For supposedly robbing ten dollars from a cab driver. With a gun that nobody ever found, nobody was ever hurt, and it says to me the seven to fourteen years in the prime of my life, but record deal, all these things, people send me letters like, "Oh, we'll do this for him, we'll make sure he's good," and they say, "Now nah, we we gotta send send him to jail for step to ruin your life." You understand? So this is the reality that our people come from. They don't have those realities in different communities. You know, I, I know the white dude was convicted of raping some girl behind. You know, and they're throwing in a dumpster. And they said, we're not putting him in jail because it's going to mess up his college. He's going to college. Yeah, out in Seattle. You know what I'm saying? So this is, this, this one, this is, this is what we're dealing with. This is a reality that we're dealing with. So, of course, this dude, when you, you get in there and you start to really look and say, damn, it's only us coming in these doors. And it's only us staying. You know, the, yeah. the, they go to the minimum f- facilities where they're doing two or three years, no matter what the crime, they're getting billions. They're doing white-collar crimes getting a hundred million dollars and they going home for two and three years. Jamila told you about her situation. She ended up doing 10 years. 10 years, yep. The people who put her on did one in two years. You That's know, the people who made way more money than her ended up doing two years in one year or getting probation. So, and the only difference was the skin color. You know what I'm saying? So this is the reality that we're dealing with. When you, when we sit there, of course we realize. If you, if you have any level of intellect, you realize as a play that this is a money thing. You know they giving they getting about fifty thousand a year for each inmate in there, and they don't provide nothing for you, but a, a bed that just keeps going in, and a pair, three pairs state greens, everything else, and they and they give you a, a fucking a state meal every day. That they probably they probably spending about a thousand dollars a week on to, to feed a whole prison, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And they make it thirty and forty thousand, fifty thousand on each individual in that prison. And oh, and yeah. it, and it also helps the economy of the local town, so, um, because these towns are like in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And the prison, the prisoners, it's the whole industry. Yeah, they they count it as as population. So like when they do the census, yep. they get and so they taken out of their community. So Knowing that they people. can't vote, it's more people in the other community. And then they have like a thing where it's like, cause one of my cousins was was incarcerated at a um, federal penitentiary in um, Connecticut. And I went to visit him, and I think I had jeans on. So I didn't know that you couldn't wear jeans. So you had to um, buy sweat. So I drove two hours to get there. I'm not going to not go. So they're like, don't worry about it. There's a um, marshals down the street. And they're like, that's convenient. they like, everybody, <laughs> nobody really knows that, right? So it's like every day people's going to march. So the, the prison, one prison guard was cool. He's like, look, this is what you do. You buy it, keep a tag on, then return it. But they're like, it happens so much. It's not a coincidence that the marshals is right builds your business around it. <laughs> exactly, it's crazy. And most person ain't gonna take it back because they're like, I ain't going back. Let me give me a pair of jeans real quick, yeah. little sweats, and I'm good. Yeah, it's and gonna just, be a five hour ride back home. Now I'm good. And, and that's what we deal with, man. It's like they, the whole town, their whole all them towns upstate. You know, a lot of these towns I never war kill and all these. these that's the whole industry is prison. There's yeah. nothing else. Orleans is nothing. I went is in the jail in Orleans. And um, Bedford Hills is right across the street. And everybody, all of the COs was like cousins, <laughs> family. He was either his family or he was married to his sister. They, it was one town with all, everybody in the town worked in the prison. After you released, did you have to go through the, the probation process? Because I know that's something that Meek talked about a lot and he's trying, you know, they're trying to do the uh, reform project. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I, I didn't have to do probation. I had to do parole, okay. which is pretty much... It's, it's, it's similar, but it's different. You know, um, as far as parole, when you're on parole, you have a certain amount of time on parole yeah, excuse me, that you have to complete without being violated. So I came home. I did seven years in prison. I had a seven to 14 means I, I either do seven or the maximum I could do is 14. So after I was released on my parole, that means I had seven years left on parole. Mm-hmm. But what happens is you have to not get into any trouble for seven years. And if you do, they can keep violating you based on the amount of time that you have. So if you if you on parole, right, and you, you get violated, you do a year, good, and um, 
Now, you get into trouble, they can give you two years in prison. The maximum they can give you is two years every time. And they can keep doing that until you get to your maximum date. So that seven years could be like two, 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 and then one? Yeah, or you could just be doing good, nothing, boom, all right, we're going to violate you. Three years. Or we're going to max you out on your, whatever they want to do. Pro pro probation is different. is because they can continue, keep starting your probation over. Mm. Probation period means that, all right, we're going to suspend your sentence for five years, but you can't get into any trouble within that five years. And if you do, we can start it all the way over again. Mm. Yeah, and trouble can be any anything, anything any form. Of, that's why the, the Meek Mill that's, thing was was he's a celebrity, he's a you know one of the top rappers. So that really highlighted. But there's millions of stories like that for even worse. Even the Nipsey right. Hustle situation, rest in peace. But remember the guy that was just there, and he got arrested. Right. They let him out because it was so ridiculous. But he literally got shot. And he got arrested. He got shot and got arrested because he was around felons. He's in the presence of a felon. Yep. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like he's going to get clothes that Nipsey was supposed to have given him because he just came home from doing 20 years in jail. Right. And he gets shot his first day home and he gets incarcerated the same night. Like, you know what I'm saying? It just speaks to that. Like, as far as the criminal justice reform, um, do you think that that, that should, because I don't think that that's talked about enough as far as the financial. Do you think like that there should be pressure on companies? Like, I feel like no company should be able to benefit from a prisoner. Like that should be in a bill. Like you, sh you can't have prison labor. Like, but you, but to say that is to, to not understand that that's what this country is built on. We built on slavery. They just figured out a new way to call it. Like we came here, came here as work as slaves. You did. We came here as slaves, and we did all of the labor. You know, we were the commodity. So they figured out, when they ended slavery, they figured out how do we continue to justify it. I put it in my phone at the French line. They don't call you slaves no more. They call you criminals. You know what I'm saying? So now it's, it's, in, the, it's in the Constitution. Slavery is illegal unless when you get arrested. 13th you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so that means now they've legalized slavery. So in order for the, the country to continue to, it's built on capitalism. So capitalism has to flourish. The reason why capitalism flourishes is because there has to be a group of people that can just continue to feed the upper echelon. And jail is the way. The lower class are going to do crimes. They're going to die. They're going to, they're going to spend all their money. And, and that is how the other people stay rich. They figure out ways to continue to profit. They're not going to spend their money. So they figure out ways to profit off of you. So for, them to, for you to say they're going to write in the Constitution that they can't make money the way that they make money, it ain't that don't make sense to them. That's why they that's why when when you hear um that's why they, they try to get rid of Obama. That's why they immediately Obama was trying to end all um Obama was trying to end all what you call he was trying to end the prisons. He was trying to end private prisons. And when he when he they he, they immediately stopped that. You understand what I'm saying? He was trying to end private prisons. He was like, nah, we we stopping that. You know, that was his job. Like we don't want no more private prisons. Yeah. As Trump got voted in office, private prison stock went up because the goal was to they know the business. You know what I'm saying? So even so, when they do this prison reform, it's a strategy. Prison reform, right? Okay, we're gonna say we're gonna let we're gonna let the the nonviolent prisoners out. We're gonna let people who got drugs. We're gonna let them out. Boom. We're gonna make sure that everybody who commits something that we call violent just never comes home. And we're gonna create situations to where violence is inevitable. Hmm. You understand? So we're gonna create. Now we got a pandemic where we know the communities and our communities are gonna be broke. They're gonna be hit the hardest. It's gonna be a couple of dudes that got it and others who don't. So after this pandemic, it's gonna be a hot summer. There's no activities, mm -mm. no clubs to go to. There's no parties. There's no sports. You just outside in the heat all day. Kids is gonna get it's, it's the crime. The crime rate is gonna skyrocket. Sky yeah, in in New York City, they they you know they they're getting rid of Rikers Island. They're putting a uh, prison on East Borough. That's the proposal. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy because I I never hear about new schools being built in these boroughs. But that is a headline, man. What's I mean? I know you do work in the schools. What's your, what's your thoughts? They don't build schools. You know what I'm saying? Most of these schools is is the school to prison pipeline is real. Most of these schools look like prisons. 
Yeah. You know, I've been in prison. Most of these schools are pretty much models for, for preparing our kids for prison. That's crazy. You said that. that I had, <laughs> it's crazy. And he, he's going to remember the story. When I was in uh, the Bronx, I was teaching. Um, I had Shadi come speak for career day. And as soon he went through the metal detector and said, yo, what the hell is this? Like, literally, it looked like the 47 precinct. Like, the blue paint, the bars, the metal detectors, security walking around everywhere. I was like, yo, damn, this this, this is real. Like, people, I don't think people really understand that, that school-to-prison pipeline, suspending kids, not providing them with adequate education so they're more likely to not even go to school. So they back on the streets. And what's going to happen? They're going to feed the beast, man. That's the reality. That's what is important that they see people like you and me in these schools because we are able to identify with that reality. We are able to identify with the fact that you're young, you're energetic, you don't really see the need in school, you you fidgety, you want to see girls, you want money, and we able to redirect that. We able to make these classrooms comfortable and fun enough to where the average person don't want to come. Oh, I'm gonna go there because oh he gonna be there. That my that's my cool teacher. Let me go to make sure I go to this class. You right. know what I'm saying? We start creating institutions that reflect what our culture is. We don't learn the same way everybody else. We don't want to sit at a desk and look at no chalkboard and right now we want to be moving around. We want to have activities. If we created institutions that taught us the way that we learn based on our act, that's one of the things that 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 Kanye was saying when he did that that meeting with Trump and he was sitting there, he's like, yo, what if we had schools where they learned through basketball, where they taught you to do this? You would, schools would be more fun. It would be appealing to us. That's how we, they created a whole structure that fits how Europeans learn mm -hmm. and told us we have to acclimate to that. That's not who we are. We Like, you, if you create a school and you create a structure that's for us, by us, that we understand how to teach us, we understand, you know, the best to, to appeal to the attributes of each individual, you know what I'm saying? You will see higher levels of people going to school and enjoying yeah. school. Instead, they create some shit that they know that we ain't, it's not for us. It's tough, man, because like, like I said, man, education is important, but a lot of people, especially in our community, don't aspire to be in education. They don't aspire to be teachers. It's not enough money, you know what I'm saying? Like, we grow up, it's like, yo, I want, I want to be this, I want to be a rapper, I want to do... Nobody aspires to be in education when, when everybody that you talk to has started there. You know what I mean? So it's important, like you said, to, for you to be in schools, myself, Shadi coming into schools, it's important because the representation, they may not see you again. They may not see, like, for one time only, they may see you and say, like, wait, I could be that. I mean, that is it's super important. Yeah. You can see it to be. So we talked about... Um, the economics of prison, but that's only half of the conversation because even when you come out, there's a whole economic play behind that, right? It's like being in a halfway house and they get paid per bed <laughs> and then it's like you got to give a portion of your paycheck back to the state and I know you had a program with helping people out with their credit because it's a whole thing. Like when you come out of jail, you don't have a license. Yeah. You don't, passport, you know, credit, you don't have any credit history, you can't rent an apartment. So, so now it's that. like, you can't get a job a lot of times, yeah. especially if you have a felony. So the, the economic, it's not like, okay, you just did a few years in jail. Now you're back to being normal. Yeah. Now it's a whole economic play off of that. Yeah, it and, ain't. and it's like, so can you talk about that? Like getting out of jail, how's that process as far as, like I said, like building your credit and stuff like that? That process, if, you don't, if you're not in the know, you don't have people around you that can educate you, you know, especially right now, we understand that if you don't have credit, you don't have nothing. You know, so a lot of these dudes coming home and they took my money and they got cash. You can't be getting nothing with cash. You can't get an apartment. You can't do anything. You know, so that transition is is different. Especially depends on when you, how long you've been in prison. This dudes that's coming home now have been in jail 20, 25 years. You know, so they trying to figure out like what do we do next? How do we do this? And that process is, is slow. It's it's different. You know. I, I was blessed enough to have people to put me to say, oh, we're going to get your cell phone. And you got to do this, you know, because when I, when I left, it, I barely had a cell phone. I had one of the first cell phones in, in the, um, the two-way. You know <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was way different. So when I came home, and it was, you know, cell phone, and you had to get an Instagram, and I had to get um, um, what was it, MySpace. I came home with MySpace. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was blessed enough to have people that put you in the thing. So it's it's a lot to readjust yourself to in prison. And, and a lot of times people don't. 
and they become institutionalized because it's easier to live in prison because they they can do things for you. You get three meals. You all you gotta do is wear state greens. You know, if you're a person who don't have no family, no nothing, you don't have no support system, then it's easier. Or even if it's not easier, you you don't mind going to prison. You're like, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna throw a brick. I'm I'm robbing this. Either I'm gonna get a million. If not, then I'm just gonna come back here. I know I'm good here. I'm gonna get three meals, and I'm just gonna be chilling. And you know, I don't. I know the CEOs here. My name is heavy in the jail. Like some people have, that's become their life, and they institutionalize, and they they can't survive outside because it's not it's moving too fast, or they don't know how to adjust. They don't have nobody to help them adjust, and they realize that. You know, so that's what they call people being institutionalized. You see a lot of dudes that come out. You probably know them. They'd be out for a week or two, and you're like, damn, this nigga went back to jail again? <laughs> yep. It's like, and you're like, what he did? Like, how he... And you you don't get it, but he he got in his mind that he can't survive out here. You know what I'm saying? Rather than say that, he just going to do something that's so outlandish and then go to jail, you know? And, and, and that's what it creates. So... You know, I wanted to have this conversation to raise awareness, but we never want to leave anything on a damp note. So what is the, because the whole point of what you're doing as far as an activist is to create change, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's like the first part, I think, for people to be inspired to make change is to actually be aware of what's going on. Because a lot of people just are, are ignorant to that fact. And not ignorant in a bad way, they just don't know. Right. And, it, and that's a really a good thing. It's like, you know, you shouldn't know what jail right, is like. Right, right, hopefully right. you don't have you never have to go to jail. But it's like now, hopefully people are a little bit more educated on what's going on. So and the role they play in it. Yeah. So what are, what are some in your opinion, what are some solutions that we of course, there's a political solution where, you know, there's different um, ideas in place to like take the felon um, thing off also, of a job yeah, application yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and. Yeah, so how can the average person or how can, as a community or as a country, as a world, make this thing better? Is it through political action? Is it through, like, what's, what's, what's some of the avenues? There's so many different avenues. Um, I want to shout out my brother, Jay Jordan. He, he lives in California, and he started a program called Time Done. Oh, I, we know Jay Jordan. We spoke to him. And Watts? <laughs> From Watts? Um, yeah. yeah, 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 we spoke to him. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, Jay. yeah, yeah. Right. Shout out to him. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Jay's he's out there doing the times done. Like the last time I was with Nipsey, we did a concert with times done that Jay had put together. You know, it was probably like four or five months before Nipsey passed away. And um, so anyway, he's doing the times done concert. I mean, time done initiative where basically after you serve your time, after a certain amount of time home. You get to get your 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 record, a sponge. You know, completely expunged because what happens? Just the stigma of being a felon. It, it, it you know you it's it's over. They it says over three thousand things jobs that you can't have. It's like a scarlet letter. Yeah, yeah. You know the things jobs you can't be a barber, you can't be a dog walker, you can't be a babysitter. Like certain certain things you just can't be at all if you if you if you have a, a, a you know a felony. So. He's working to get those. I think they they're pat they're about to pass it in California and like initiatives like that. We have to support those type of initiatives. We got to look at those, bring them over here. We also have to we have to as individuals stop stigmatizing each other. You know what I'm saying? Because it's easy. You know, like even when I'm watching this Amar Aubrey case, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's people that that come we come from it's like that try to justify this man being killed like i've heard people like well he he should have did this oh oh or he walked into this abandoned house oh that's what so you telling me me walking into a house where they do a construction justifies you killing me like that that makes sense to you oh well what was he doing it don't matter if you thought he was trespassing give him a ticket for trespassing right but is this man the right to, to approach him with a gun and, and, and shoot him, and they said he was he wouldn't comply. Well, who are you to exactly? Comply? You're not a cop. What, what, what a random person driving down the street with a shotgun pointing at me. <laughs> and I'm supposed to comply to you. Like 
This is the mindset, and, and us as and, and some of us have adopted it. We dealing with, you know, we dealing with um Stockholm syndrome, in which we start to to identify and love the the people who oppress us. The abuser. I, we have to stop that. Like we we can't give voice or credence to shit that don't make sense. Like you can't when we when we saying yo, it's a, a million people in, in prison, and the and, and prison is probably the biggest population that can be affected from the coronavirus, and they can die easier than anybody because shit's like a petri dish. Mm-hmm. You know, understand that. And people, are like, I don't care they did a crime. You don't know what nobody did. That's in prison, yeah. and if they're not sentenced to death, why would you be okay with just sacrificing those people's lives? They fathers, they husbands, they brothers to people. Like we have to start humanizing people who get incarcerated because some people get incarcerated, come home and they do brilliant things. Some people don't even belong in prison. Every day we find out that somebody's conviction is overturned. So we have to take that stigma and that that false narrative that everybody that's inside of prison is just trash. And right. the reality is that the vast majority of people have has done something that could have put them in jail. But yeah, at some, yeah, at some point, their freedom. At some point, yeah. whether it's big or small, you've done something in your life where if a cop was there and if right circumstances, yeah. you you could have potentially been in jail. Yeah, and I was going to say, this is a living testament. Like We've had a number of guests on Ernie Elysia that have been incarcerated and have come out to do amazing things. You know what I mean? So that's that's what the importance of this is. It's like what you, we said earlier. is like, yo, we got to see it and we got to keep highlighting stories like that. So everybody that's been in that situation or can is, has somebody that, that is near that situation is like, yo, nah, it's not over. There's, there's plenty of opportunities out here for us. Yeah, I taught a financial literacy class in jail. Shout out to Tony Earl, my guy. He, um, you know, yeah, yeah, Tony's a good dude. He had a jail a program in Rockland County and I taught and that was my first time teaching financial literacy in jail. I teach it in school and stuff like that and I was pleasantly surprised. It was one of the best experiences I had. Like, they was all asking me questions. Like, they was, like, really paying attention. Yep. They was real astute. A lot of them really knew a lot in regards to stocks and cryptocurrency. Like, they was <laughs> on it. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I say I have to say it's like, don't look down on somebody just because they're incarcerated because everybody has an opportunity to change their life. You don't know what they're incarcerated for. And mm-hmm. regardless of anything, it's like the whole point of, being a human is to be a better person tomorrow than you were today. So we can't judge people. And yeah, it's like, we can't give up on people because you're giving up on millions of people that can be doctors, scientists, lawyers, like they can change the world. And a lot of times it's it's, it's, like you said, it's our best potential because we see that on Earn Your Leisure. A lot of, a lot of from Caesar, DJ Envy's partner, real estate mogul. He's a real estate mogul and he was incarcerated. And it's like, you know, that's just one of many yeah. people that we've had on. Some of the most brilliant people that we've had on have criminal backgrounds. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's important to, to highlight this and to really, you know, even if it doesn't affect you, it affects you one way or another. You have a, a family member. You have somebody in your community that you know personally. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. It's just it's impossible not to. So, Mike's man, um, appreciate I appreciate you taking your time out. To, to kick it with us, like I said, you know, something that we wanted to do for a while. So I'm glad that it's we like had like a year in the making. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we had an opportunity to, to talk about this. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have it, man. This is a dope conversation. Good energy, man. Hopefully somebody hear this and take heed to this, man. Understand that we all human, man. You know, we all go through ups and downs. You make mistakes. Sometimes you make the wrong turn. Some of us are blessed enough, you know, that our mistakes didn't turn out to be tragic. They didn't land us in prison, you know. So we should be, we should be blessed for that and try to pay it forward, you know. Because understanding that we, could, at some point, we probably could have ended up on the opposite. So, you know, don't look down on your brothers, man. Give them a hand, lift them up. Yeah, prayers up to everybody that that's incarcerated, family, friends, brothers, and sisters that are fighting the coronavirus inside of prison. That's a real situation I, that I don't think people really understand, right? We we we're on the outside, like. Complaining like, oh, we can't go and we, we can't leave our house. But we're talking about a place where it's overcrowded already. There's no way to social distance. It's a, it's a real situation. Um, so prayers up to everybody that, that is fighting that and facing that right now. That's their circumstance. I was watching CNBC yesterday and they said, uh, they were saying like some of the prisons, like the population, how much people have. It's crazy. Marion, Marion, Indiana, that's like a real well-known prison. I think it's like underground. Mm-hmm. Um. 85% of the prison population has corona. Yeah, they in Texas, same thing. They they at the they uh tested 2400 inmates. 
75% uh, tested positive. It's like, like that's ah, that's crazy. It's crazy. Like, and he, obviously there's underlying health issues with people that are incarcerated. Um and a lot of people are probably going to die. Underlying health issues is yeah. the fact that there's not proper oxygen. Right. You know what I'm saying? If you if you look if you look at the numbers from the coronavirus and you look at where most of the people the mortality rate is highest in places where people are inside. You look at old folks' homes and things like that where people are trapped inside. So mm-hmm. look at, when you look at a prison, that's it's nothing else. You inhale in the same air somebody's breathing all day. It's not like no fresh air, it ain't no windows nowhere. Same you know, shower, same, same toilet, like public space. It's like eighty five percent of the population in, in that prison has corona. Like that really surprised I'm like, wow, that's yeah, that's, how do you how do you stop hundred percent from getting it? And it, it doesn't just stop with the, the prisoners because you have COs that are in the prison that go home to their families that now bring it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a real situation. I don't, I don't really think people are uh, really grasping the magnitude of that. Nah, it's it's an issue. But um, anything you want to make the public aware of? Um, any initiatives you got going on? Any any and music too? We ain't get a chance to talk about music, but I know you still you you still spitting. are a musician. <laughs> still yeah, spitting. So we didn't get a chance to talk about that. But any projects that you're working on? Anything you want to make the public aware? Of? Um, my project been out for a couple months. I did sold out for sale. Probably my favorite mixtape that I did in a long time. So I would advise y'all to go download. <laughs> um, I just wrote this new children's book. I know my rights is important, especially based on what we. We talking about now, it's um, talking about the Bill of Rights. I broke down the, the first 10 amendments of the Bill of Rights. And, you know, to and for children from like age eight until high school, it's, it's really a family oriented book. A lot of adults read it and said, you know, I broke down the amendments to them because they didn't even really understand them. So it's a book that, you know, um, shout out to um, McBride um, Publishing. For, for partnering with me with it, with the, the book is so dope. Where can we purchase? You can purchase it on Amazon. It has so many different, like, the animation on it is, like, fire. Like, the whole animation of it is just, like, like, I took pictures of, like, my kids. This is, like, one of my sons. They took, they, like, drew mm. my sons, like, on the cover. This is the little, this is my son, this is my son, and this is my son. Oh. So, like, you know what I'm saying? I try to make it real dope for people. It talks about the right to vote, the right to religion. Oh wow! You know what I'm saying? It has, yeah. it has so yeah, I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get so that for my son, man. Amazon right now, order it off Amazon. Definitely. Yeah, I'm gonna get that for my son. I was just thinking, it was summer reading, we gotta have something for him to do. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not gonna be playing it's video gonna, games. Yeah, it's gonna not be a long couple months. All, all <laughs> Yeah, this is different. Troy, household items? Yeah, shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. We got a few new members. Shout out to Cheyenne. She's a tier four member. And Mark and Baked Beans and Rice. Uh, we, we are looking forward to having, yeah, we're looking forward to having those conversations. We appreciate your support. Uh, and everybody, if you're looking to, to join Patreon, it's Patreon.com backslash Leisure. We have, like we said, five different tiers. You can join at any one, and they all come with different incentives, tier four and five. We'll get you access to our online school. UIL University is a, one of the, the fastest growing uh, online universities uh, in the world. So feel free to join that. And uh, one of those other incentives is that you have access to our private real estate Facebook group, man. And that has just been killing it, man. A lot of learning is going on in there. We have a movie club, a book club. Uh, we have webinars. It's incredible, man. So everybody that's been joining that, we appreciate it. Uh, and everybody that's supporting the merch on earnyleisure.com. Uh, we got the assets over liability. Shotty got the he got the tracksuit on, man. The tracksuit was was, was kind of yeah. crazy. I actually had to give my my red one away. It was it was, it was that hot. So shout out to everybody that's supporting the merch and continue to support it, man. Yeah, for sure. It's so tough. it's tough. I like that. Yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, we got we're gonna that. send you, you some get stuff. You, get you some merch. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, make sure you like and subscribe on YouTube. That's important. Comment all all of that. And um, thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.